I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everybody. My name is Matt Gorley. This is I Was There Too, the show where I talk to people who were in all your favorite scenes of all your favorite movies. If we do this long enough, that's bound to be true. Today, my guest is Gilbert Gottfried, who is the most wonderful tornado you could possibly imagine. It's probably over eight to ten minutes into this episode before we even begin to talk about Aladdin. And though sometimes I might edit out a little upfront chit-chat and get right to the point, I don't think you want to do that with Gilbert Gottfried. You just want to let him roll. Consequences be damned. It's futile to try to contain him, and why would you want to anyway? And also, if you're listening with any children, don't. Because what's better than a podcast about the Disney classic Aladdin than a bunch of foul language? I think it's the way that Walt Disney himself would have wanted to roll over in his grave. We talk about Aladdin. We talk about Gilbert Gottfried's tenure on Saturday Night Live. And right now, I'll talk about how I've already recorded this intro once and then somehow erased it. So you know you're in good hands. Also, make sure to stay tuned after the interview for a new segment with my pals Jeremy Carter and Mark McConville where they talk about playing parts in Aladdin in a totally different context. And so, in the words of Walt Disney himself, reach back, ease the seat back. That's Van Halen. Hey, let's get started. The film, Aladdin. The year, 1992. The role, Iago the Perry. The actor, Gilbert Gottfried. Well, Gilbert Gottfried, I know this is a podcast where I'm supposed to interview you about a role you played in some great movie, but... But I've never been in a great movie. (laughs) That's not true. I was going to say, in a perfect world, I would just sit back and relax and let you do your long, famous version of the Aristocrats joke, and that would be the whole episode. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things. We're going to talk a bit about Aladdin. So, uh, 1992, you're the voice of Iago the Parrot. Oh, yeah. How did you come about being in this film in the first place? Uh, I, I auditioned. They didn't ask me. 
Uh, they I auditioned. And I think also they were considering either Joe Pesci or Danny DeVito. Did, uh, <laughs> I'm having a stroke. I want to thank you for having it on my podcast. Yes, yes, see, it'll get the ratings up. <laughs> it was Ned Fedgett and Trashy. And in conclusion, <laughs> and I got to work with. <laughs> It was filmed entirely in blue. It didn't come out in the blue. No one ever thought that it was. <laughs> and it, we, it got in for under a... <laughs> I don't even want to know the real story. <laughs> oh, God. Well, may you burn in hell. <laughs> Let's just cut straight to Ford Fairlane. Yes, okay. Do <laughs> <laughs> oh. you understand the crossroads I'm at? Because the podcaster in me and your podcaster wants to get you back on track, but me wants to not go back on oh, track. Oh, yes. And I, I want to just do this. So uh, I'll go either way, honestly. God. Can we get a situation where we go out on the town and you're my wingman and stroke Gilbert Godfrey? Oh, my God. Yeah, hopefully I can get other people late. I can never. (laughs) Hey, do you have a crumb in your beard? Do I? Yeah, let's see. Yes, you do. You had some kind of a. It was disgusting. (laughs) It was really disgusting. Is it gone? Yeah, I think so. Unless you just pushed it further in. I may have. This goddamn beard. Is the bane of my existence. It's not even on my face by choice. This is a protest beard. Oh. All right. I'm just going to take a breath. Take a deep, tall swig. Okay. Gilbert Gottfried. I, I like how you you have the fuck you finger in a cast. That's, it's, it's like it just seems like so set up. <laughs> That's an exposed pin. Do you see that thing? Ah! Ah! Fuck! I'm gonna. This f- is horrible. Oh, now I can't deal with that anymore. Oh God, we're a mess right now. Ah! How'd you? How'd you? How'd you break this finger? I uh, fell through. I was standing on top of a, a shed, like an outdoor laundry shed. Well, don't it, stand on top of a shed. I know that now. You were on top of a shed? I was. I was that using was it. That was stupid. I, <laughs> I know that now. And I went right through it. It just basically disappeared below ah, me and ah, popped my finger out of itself. Ah, it. so it disappeared below you. That's so horrible. Okay, now we've got our physical maladies out of Oh, here. gee, this is like the worst horror film you, ever made. You know what I'd love to do is talk, yes. go from stroke victim to fuck finger straight into Disney's Aladdin. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. 
Well, that's what led me into stroke <laughs> victims. Yeah, because they they were consider. I I think originally the way it was written, um, the the you know Jafar was the crazy one, like just going out of his mind, irrational. And and the parrot was going to be like, you know, uh, the mastermind, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. I like that. like yeah. an Alec Guinness type, right. uh, very intellectual <laughs> and uh, thought out. And then I think Jeffrey Katzenberg said, switch him around. And um, uh, so so then, yeah, they they were considering uh Joe Pesci or Danny DeVito, and that's that's what got me into the stroke. Part was me. <laughs> when you think Danny DeVito, you think stroke. <laughs> I'm afraid to invoke his name. I don't want you to stroke again. I I was on a plane with Danny DeVito recently, but he was there by himself, and I I didn't. Does say anything? Well, to he's him. probably there's still some bad blood. Yeah, yeah. Because of the and well, also because of the stroke. Well, he saw what you did with it. And, Here, you know. see, here's something. The only time I was ever upset or cared at all about a celebrity couple splitting up. You know the oh, usual. Oh, Rhea Perlman. Yes, yeah, me yes. too. I know. Yeah, yeah I you mean, feel I like thought they were meant to be together. Yeah. If they can't make it. It was like said in the way like at the end of Bride of Frankenstein, <laughs> Frankenstein the Bride, don't get along. And you know, see and, and that's the way I looked at them. They were these two monsters who found each other. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever worked with either of them? Uh no. No, and so when I found out they got split up, I really, you know, was just uh, – and to make matters worse, uh, there was rumor that the reason for the split up was he was fooling around. Really? So if if Danny DeVito's out getting pussy, I really am going <laughs> to – But with Linda Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Then that that makes it all right. <laughs> and um so yeah, uh, th- those names were up, so I figured they were looking for short unattractive Jews and Italians. <laughs> and um yeah, so I went up and I I remember I had lived a lot in the interview. I mean in the audition. And then I hadn't heard uh, back for a while and I remember thinking before I went to that audition I was I think I was at the USA offices and I wanted to make uh, they had a copy machine I wanted to make some copies of this magazine article and I was making copies so I was there like five minutes late and I remember thinking you know I think it was showing up five minutes late the reason I didn't get that part and that was because that's the oh, craziness yeah. in yeah. my head. And uh, but then they wound up calling me. And uh, and I remember, too, like when I first started before I even started recording, they had done a, a very primitive uh, pencil animation and of uh, the bird yeah. with the audition tape. 
that I and I, that was the first time I saw it together. Oh wow! Now, when you went in to record, first of all, how many sessions would you do for something like that? And were you alone or were you with the actors? It, it was weird that um, it went. Uh, it was over a long period of time, like. Uh, I don't know if it was a year and a half or two years, but, you know, it wasn't by no means constant working. You yeah. you do something and then months would pass and you do another one. The only two, it's, it's, uh, see, this is another thing. I don't know how many times I've heard, boy, when you got Gilbert Gottfried and Robin Williams together in there, that was craziness. I would see those. T- I never ran into them once. But people would say that? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it, it sounds like a good story. Yeah. But I never ran into them once. And I I mean, I knew him from like clubs and stuff. Sure. But uh, I worked a couple of times with um, Jonathan Freeman Jafar, right? Yeah, who is Jafar, and a handful of times with this Douglas Seal, who was the Sultan. Uh But the other people I I never met. I never met the princess or or Aladdin or any of those till the premiere, I think. And was it difficult if you had to do dialogue with someone that wasn't in the room? Or was I mean at most of your dialogue was with those two guys, right? Yeah. So otherwise you were literally parroting dialogue or that sort of thing as a parrot. Yeah. That, that's um, – it, it's like – because you're there. And I mean most most voiceovers go like that. Yeah. I, I heard at least in the beginning the Simpsons used to like be done like a round table thing, that's right, like yeah. a radio show. But for the most part, you're there and uh, like the director or recording guy will go, okay, uh, now you're yelling at a winged monster and and you're out of breath. <laughs> now you've had a stroke. Yeah, you've and- had a stroke and you go, <laughs> <laughs> when you recorded, did you get to do much improv or was that mostly in the audition? Oh, oh yeah. No, they, they let me they let me play around while I was uh, recording it, so that was fun. Did you ever take it into dark places? Uh, uh, a couple of times I'd have to say, okay, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a kid's movie. <laughs> you don't remember anything that you did yeah. that didn't make the cut, oh, do you? Oh, but one thing that was totally in – this was in the Aladdin series that uh, wasn't a dirty thing, but the audience, someone, one woman in the audience took it as dirty – uh, in the series, there's one episode where uh, Jeff, uh, I mean, Iago and uh, the princess or whoever are running from a tiger who's chasing them. And I have to go, uh, let's get out of here. He's going to eat us like kitty chow. And some woman in the middle of the country somewhere wrote an incensed letter saying uh, she was shocked that on a children's cartoon, they would say, he's going to eat us like titty chow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had to be called back 
and re-recorded where it's like, he's gonna, he's gonna eat us like kitty chow. Titty chow? Sounds like a Chinese hooker. <laughs> if, if we do anything in this podcast today, I would love to get titty chow back into the lexicon. Uh, yes. Get people using it again. Or if, if you're keeping a breast as a pet, <laughs> you feed a titty chow. <laughs> or I guess, I mean, breastfeeding could, like a, a very crude way to say that is yeah. happening, titty chow. <laughs> titty chow. Wow. This is a very special episode. And, uh, I was and what happened too in the past couple of years, and now it's coming out soon, and this is a weird thing. Because I thought, you know, most of the Aladdin stuff, I was, uh, you know, it seemed like it was over. Um, a story came out in the New York Times. This guy, Ron Suskind, he had an autistic child who was uh, six years old. He never communicated with the kid. He, they, it was just like a concrete wall uh-huh. in between him and the outside world. And he tried all the psychologists, medications and treatments, and nothing was working. But the kid used to watch Disney cartoons constantly. All the, and one time he went in, he's, according to the article, he went into the room and there was a puppet of my character, Iago, and he put it on his hand and he figured, you know, just what the hell. And he started doing an imitation of me oh my God. and he said to his son, Owen, how are you? And the son looked at the parrot and said, I'm not happy. I don't have any friends. Oh. And and that was the breakthrough. Oh my god! And uh, yeah, now they made it into a film called Life Animated, a documentary. Oh, really? Well, how does that make you feel? How does does that melt your cold heart at all? It, well, it it just proves I can do something incredibly <laughs> great in spite of myself, as long as I don't have direct involvement. As long as you don't intend to. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. yes. Yeah, if it's something I know nothing about, I, I can cause these miracles to yeah. happen. Now, how much of a change did you sense? Because prior to that, most of your work was, you know, in comedy and it was at an adult level. And now you are this character that children love and respond to. Did you get fan mail from children? Did you feel a responsibility for that? How did it, that go? Was, uh, it was very strange. Um, yeah. And it still is because uh, sometimes – you, you know, I, I always say my career walks the tightrope in between early morning children's programming and hardcore porn. <laughs> yeah, that's an apt description. I think. That's pretty good. So, like, I'll have audiences who either uh, know me from Aladdin or the Aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I love that there was a Disney movie called The Aristocats too. Yeah. Which oh, that's that's it's easy another. to get confused. One time there was a screening. Oh no! For the Aristoc the Aristocrats. Oh no! And and in the middle of the Aristocrats, some woman got up and said, "This isn't the Aristocats." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I love and, it. And and then I I saw. Uh, this was actually like on TV or in a mag or like like on those places where you see uh, 
you know, the records of what's on TV, the, uh, oh, the menu guide, the, menu yeah. guide. They actually, someone at oh. Disney did a major fuck up and said, uh, you know, coming up at three o'clock, the aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, someone at Disney is obviously <laughs> packing up their stuff in a cardboard box right now. <laughs> what was your? Did you go to the premiere for this film? And what was your reaction to it? Which the uh, for uh, Aladdin? Oh, Aladdin! Oh, yeah. Because um, I I remember. Uh, yeah, they they. I think it was at the. Uh, well, there were a few. I one might have been at the Ziegfeld. Mm. I think I'm not positive, which is closing up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And but I I remember one was you know the El Capitan Theater. Yeah. And what I I remember I was that morning, I was watching. You know, I was just in the hotel room watching TV, and like I always am, I'm just like mindlessly. 20 hours of TV called, but I don't care. I'll just like staring whether I like it or not. I, it's just like, uh, okay, yeah, here's an episode of a show that I always hated. And I've seen this episode 14 <laughs> times. I don't care. All right, I'll watch you it. You are going to make a great stroke victim when it actually oh. happens. <laughs> well, I'm already working on faces. <laughs> Which, which, you know, if if Jerry Lewis had a stroke, would anyone know about no. it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he would be over there going, and they go, ah, oh, that old Jerry. <laughs> Top form. Yeah, God, never been better. Never been better. And so I, I, they kept having on a, 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 a basic instinct. <laughs> And and every time I would like time it, so every time they would have like the scene of her crossing her legs, I would like run to the TV and press my nose to the screen. And I don't know, I never saw anything. People, you didn't? Uh, yeah, I never really saw it. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe if you've got a freeze frame there. So curious how this is going to lead to your Aladdin story. And so there. <laughs> And then I'm I'm uh, at the theater and the movie's on, and of all people, Sharon oh. Stone walks over to me and she goes, "You know, I I you're wonderful in the movie." And and you know, I just kind of stop myself from saying, "Oh, I was looking at your <laughs> pussy all day today." <laughs> Oh, well, you're a gentleman for not. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm kind of old fashioned that way. <laughs> I'm a regular Sir Walter Raleigh. <laughs> oh God! Did you? So uh, Disney gets this rap for being this evil empire. In your business, working with them, did you ever experience anything like that, or were they pretty easy? Yeah, I never saw anything really. Uh, I like uh, you because you'll tell it like it is. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know what? It's so weird when they write about Disney. I mean, I don't know. It's like when people say to me, 
why was it like working with Disney? And I'm thinking, mm, what was it like working with Paramount? What was yeah. it like working with Universal? Any other company. MGM. Yeah, it's like it's, I think there's some weird spiritual thing. Well, I worked for Disney for many years doing improv at their theme parks, and I think it may be more present But there. you have to put on a big foam rubber. <laughs> How do you think I broke this thing? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you saw it at and, the well, park. Well, there was like a cult feeling there. A oh. Distinct. The employees had this feeling of like there was no question you weren't drinking the Kool Aid. So those of us who had, were like in this separate kind of like union entertainment section weren't like that, and they just couldn't wrap their heads around it. Like, why? Why would you not speak highly of our Lord and Savior Walt Disney? And oh, it was see, strange. Yeah. See, because it, it's weird. Whenever I heard people say that about Disney, I think well. When oh, whenever people would talk, like say, oh, and there were like Disney employees who drink or go out and get laid, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's, you mean humans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that shocking stuff. If you think <laughs> Mickey Mouse is a real person, yeah, if um, you're coming in there with status, which I would imagine would be an entirely different thing. You go into those theme parks as you know basically just a factory worker, and so oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I could see that. But the only – you know the weird thing about the parks that I didn't find to be at all true but I think legend created it? They say there's this underground level when you go to the underground where they, they mm-hmm. work the machines. The tunnels. And the long tunnels and that was like – you'd think there were ritual satanic yeah, I know. I've been down there and it's yeah. nothing but industrial tunnels. It's, it's boring. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like being in any other office or factory. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're walking around. There are some offices, some machines going up and down or making sounds. But, this, you know, they make it like, oh, my God, uh, the devil lives down there. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to both take some medication, and then we'll be back. (laughs) All right, Gilbert Gottfried, we're back. We're going to talk about some of your other roles here that I – I don't – some of these I have specific questions for, but some of them as I name them off, if you just have thoughts about them. and speaking of Disney, and this has nothing to do with the Jews. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm listening. I I on my podcast I just interviewed Dick Van Dyke. Oh, why? Right. And wow. he's like a big Disney icon. Yeah, that's right. How did did he have anything oh, to say about? Uh, it? Uh, he he <laughs> he he never admitted to to running into Walt Disney at a bunt rally or a brown shirt. Is that, <laughs> I was going to say, was that uh, is that a story that's been he, passed around? Or? Yeah, yeah, what? Um, yeah. There, no, well, not that he out and out marched. <laughs> well, I know that. Yeah, the Disney anti-Semitism. Oh yeah, I see what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Okay, oh my I, god, I, I've never run across a photo of him. <laughs> <laughs> running along the countryside with Hitler. <laughs> Speaking of which, you played Hitler once, didn't you? Yes, and you know, this is something. It was in this movie, casting. Highway to Hell. Uh-huh. And the the um, the words, Gilbert Gottfried as Hitler, is a thousand times funnier than the scene itself. <laughs> the scene itself, once you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. And but the the sentence is funny. Yeah, it like, is. Well, like 
I mean, I was Abe Lincoln in A Million Ways to Die in the West. Right. And and they called me. They got in touch with me because they said, uh, do you – are you per, for or against having your name in the credits? Because I guess it was a small part and there were some celebrities oh. who will do a small part but not have their name Secret listed. Camera, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they don't want it like – to be like they're lowering selves by well, like like um like Gene Hackman uh, was in Young Frankenstein. That's right, as the blind man. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he he didn't have he was unlisted because he's Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I said, sure. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not. <laughs> I was going to say I'm not on Tom Cruise level. I'm not, I'm not even on Yakov Shmirnov level. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's not true. So, I won't have that guy on this podcast. And and so I said, sure, you can listen to me. And to this day, whenever that movie comes on, my favorite part of it is it says Abe Lincoln, Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You you need like a, a wall of fame of Gilbert Gottfried as Adolf Hitler as yeah. Lincoln, how many wonderful world leaders can you play oh. of, of, of co- contradicting interests as well? Like we need to get you a Stalin. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, and Highway to Hell had all of the Stiller and Mira family in it. Oh, wow, wow. Ford Fairlane, which is a movie I watched – Many times as a child, and uh, you played Johnny Crunch, the shock jock. Oh, yes. Yeah. What was that experience whose, like? Whose real name was, uh, I think, what, Johnny Teitelbaum? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you get killed in that thing quite uh, yes. violently. Electrocuted, yeah. right? Yeah. I Sparks, I get electrocuted. Were you all hooked up with pyrotechnics? Oh, that? yeah. What was yeah. that like? I have a sort of, I don't want to call it a fetish, but I have a strong desire to be squibbed. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, some people would probably call it a fetish, but I I'm jealous. Well, the funny thing is that part of uh, the oh, when they were putting see those things, uh, you know, whenever you do special effects, it's never safe, you know. <laughs> Just, just ask Vic Mar. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> <sighs> um. I I so when they were uh, wiring me up with the squibs at the last minute, the the got one of the guys said, you know, we're going to put this wetsuit under you like a scuba suit as another layer. He goes, you're not going to need it, but we'll just play it safe. And so I did that scene where the squibs are going off with the electrical current. And and then afterwards, when I'm undressing, I see that. That rubber suit has holes in it, you know, where it burned through. Oh, my God. And I did burn my stomach, not through that, but in the scene afterwards where they put a chemical on me to have steam coming up. Uh And then I got a burn on my skin. Jeez. Yeah. Well, all for art. Oh, yes. (laughs) And when that... That with that movie when it came, well, that was another one of those movies where they let me ad lib. Yeah. And when that movie came out, it was considered a monumental bomb. I mean, it was the bottom of everyone's list. It failed miserably, 
at box office and it became a cult film. Yeah, I have to stick up for that movie a little bit. Now, I know dice can be controversial at times, but the the film itself, the structure is really tight. Like it's it's a strong screenplay. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can argue merits of taste and all that stuff, but I really enjoyed that film as a kid. Yeah. I'm, I was probably the target audience at the time, oh, yeah. too, you know. And it yeah. got a, it got a a really big cult following. People come up to me all the time about that one. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, so you have the distinction of being on Saturday Night Live the year after the original cast left, yeah, right? Yeah, so, and I, I always say that's like if in the middle of Beatlemania <laughs> you said John Paul, George, and Ringo are gone, there's these four other schmucks uh, just sing along with them like you did with the original. Yeah, you're the George Lazenby of the James uh, Bond yes, series. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And it's like, see, you shouldn't be the, – the worst thing is to be the replacement. And, and that's the way we were on Saturday Night Live before the show ever got on the air. They you were already were, aware of it. Before yeah, oh. there were articles all over the place saying like, how, who are these people? How dare they come in? How, how can you possibly continue Saturday Night Live without the original cast? Now, nobody remembers who the original cast was anymore. <laughs> and it's like the cast changes like in between commercial yeah. breaks, the entire <laughs> no, cast. And and if someone's on Saturday Night Live for longer than two seasons, you go, God, what a loser! He's still <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. Oh God! What was the mood on the set that year? Was it? Did you do it just one year, or did you do it more than that? Oh well, yeah, I did it. I don't even think it was a complete season because the last show we were gonna do. Um, it was with one of the Monty Python people. Uh, it's got to be Eric Idle, right? Wasn't he no, 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 no. It was like, uh, who was the openly gay? Oh, Graham Chapman. Yeah, oh, Graham Chapman. I think it was Graham Chapman. But with that group, yeah. how do you know which one was the gay one? <laughs> Just because they're all English? Yes. His words, not mine. Yeah. No, I said them. Yeah. So, so he he was going to be, but that uh, everything, because <clears throat> everything was happening. Everything we were already being panned before we got on the air, and it was so the craziness. If you want to put down the show, great. It was it was terrible. Uh-huh. And um, but if you want to put it down, have the correct reasons. Yeah. They were saying. We've never heard of these people before. No one had heard of the original cast. Yeah. yeah. Like like uh, John Belushi was a household <laughs> name before Sat- – like like he was a big movie star right. and then he also was on set. You know, it was craziness. <laughs> like, like everybody was rushing to Gilda Radner films. <laughs> And uh, and they were saying they've never worked together before. And I'm thinking, mm, isn't that the way it is with most movies? Yeah, almost all, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that the cast of The Godfather ever worked together. <laughs> it seemed like an okay movie. And then there was like they made a bigger deal out of it that – Do I have it uh, on record that you're comparing your – to the Godfather. The cast yes. of Saturday Night Live to well, the Godfather. Well, uh, you know, Mario Puzo was one of the writers <laughs> when I was on Saturday Night Live. That explains a yeah. lot. But... 
<laughs> and I used to do sketches with Al Pacino <laughs> and Robert Duvall. <laughs> I think as far as comedy goes, you're better off with your original cast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And But I, I remember that was too – there was a season where they were doing one episode. They were doing like a takeoff on Dallas. Uh-huh. And Dallas had that uh, cliffhanger, who shot JR? Right. And so this was who shot CR, uh, Charles Rocket. And Charles Rocket at the end, when we were there for the good nights, he's like in uh, jokingly in a wheelchair and bandaged arm. And it says, uh, and and then they tell they told us to stretch, and and so he said, "Well, I've never been shot before, and I'd like to know who the fuck did it." And this became like international news, like, "Oh my god!" He's and what people forget is in the original season, people people said "fuck." Uh-huh. It came out a couple of times, and since then. It's popped up on the show. But if the show's doing well, they don't hear it as clearly. (laughs) If the show's not doing well, oh, my God, children are dying because of that. And they were blaming it, saying, and then after that happened, they fired everyone. Well, that doesn't make sense. If one person says, fuck, you wouldn't fire the whole cast. And... Uh, but I, I remember sitting in an office there at Saturday night, and it was somebody else's office, just one of the execs. He was out to lunch. <clears throat> and I was sitting there with Eddie Murphy, and we were just hanging around talking. Uh, and and someone comes, some girl, uh, a secretary, uh, pokes her head in, and she says, uh, Eddie – you know, so and so from NBC wants to speak to you, and I, and he looked shocked. Like, why does he want to speak? And he picked up the phone and goes, "Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, okay, okay, oh shit, no, I won't tell anybody." And before he even has the phone hung up, he goes, "They just fired Gene Demanian," oh. and um, which was another surreal thing because then. Gene Dominion had to do an announcement to us that she was fired. And by then, everybody knew she was fired. Uh-huh. And it was a weird thing. It was kind of like being at a surprise party that you already know is they're going to have a surprise party. And you got to go, oh, I can't believe. And but why it, are they telling just Eddie Murphy? Just because he has that. Cachet or what? Yeah, I guess he I, – I guess they – it was a very weird thing. I, I think the two they knew they were going to keep was him and Joe Piscopo. Uh-huh. And so I guess they told the people they knew they were going to keep. Uh-huh. And and this is – I found out I was fired from <clears> – in <throat> yeah, that was like prehistoric times. People actually wrote letters. <laughs> now, I mean, no one. When's the last letter written? And there was uh, – uh, I was uh, – they had fired uh, Gene Demanion and then they got in Dick Ebersole. Dick Ebersole brings us all together and says, oh, I'm going to be making a couple of changes here and then, nothing much. And so take a week off and everyone come back and I'll tell you – 
And so each one of us was coming in one by one. And I was waiting by myself outside his office. And there was a little desk there where they used to drop the fan letters. And I saw one written to me from some girl from Omaha or something. And I open it up and it starts out, Dear Gilbert, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. She'd read it? Yeah. Yeah. So she had already known before I did. (sighs) And so you you read that there on the day? Uh, yeah. And were and you there, I, presumably, to officially be fired? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then he came in. You went like, and I already yeah, found out from Sally. Yeah, yeah, so it's going, I, I also did. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. Uh, wow. Well, um, uh, oh, did you want to open for? Uh, Belinda Carlisle? Yes. <laughs> for a bunch of teenage girls. <laughs> And and how how can I get a time machine and go back and see that? I would love that. Yeah, I I was booked to open a few shows for Belinda Carlisle. At least that was the plan. Whose idea was that? <laughs> uh, Satan's, I think. And um, so this was, I think, at Long Beach. This one was, and um, and like the manager told me. Now, remember, there's a lot of little girls and their mothers in the audience, so you got to work extra clean, which, number one, is the worst thing you could say to me. Right. You know, it's like, don't think of hippopotamus. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't think of hippopotamus. And, and so I, I went up and I tried for about, I don't know, five minutes uh, to work clean and nothing was happening. And then I was like, oh, you know, that cunt blowjob, you know. <laughs> and doing doing jokes that would make the aristocrats look like uh, Art Linkletter. <laughs> so how did they re- respond? Well, it, it's like when I got home that day or, or maybe it was the next day, I got one of those classic messages from my agent where it starts off, oh, I just want to tell you, everybody on the tour loves you. <laughs> They're all major fans. And that in show business, yeah. it translated means you've been fired. Yeah. <laughs> I got another letter from Sally in North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you're out with a girl and she goes, Look, I think you're the greatest guy in the world. And it's like, oh, boy. (laughs) Well, Gilbert, I can't tell you how much I've loved having you on here. I wish all my guests were like this. Uh, Seriously. You mean stroke victim? Yeah, I do. I'm going to tell people where they can find you. The convalescent home on uh, Ivar. Uh, so the Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, which is fantastic, and you do that weekly, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you can get that on iTunes, sideshownetwork.tv, and gilbertpodcast.com. I highly recommend it. Especially- you can also get it on <laughs> – But I've heard it, and you're a lot more um, – what's the word? Uh, grown up on there? <laughs> So depending on what type of Gilbert Gottfried yeah, you I want. I wear long pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, Gilbert, so much oh, for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you, Gilbert Gottfried, and thanks, Sean Merrick, for setting that whole thing up.
That's some of the most fun I've had doing this in a long time. And now it's time for a new segment, the title and theme song of which I am so embarrassed by. I just don't know what to say other than for these little theme songs for these additional segments. I guess I'm just trying to outdo myself on how bad they are. So I think it is self-explanatory. Let's begin. I was Jeremy Carter, Mark McConville, welcome to I Was Pear at Two. <laughs> and you can blame Mark McConville for that name. I just laughed at it like you thought of it. <laughs> Mark, you were cast as the genie in the stage production at Disney's California Adventure. And Jeremy, you actually played the parrot Iago in that stage production as well, right? Correct. All right, I want to hear all about it. We'll start with you, Mark. You were cast, but you never actually saw any stage time? That's right, Matt. I got cast as the genie. Do you think when you die, this will be your unfinished business where you have to go haunt until you can play the genie? God, I hope not. (laughs) Yeah, I auditioned to be the genie, got cast, did four weeks of rehearsals. Genie intensive? Yep. Learned the choreography, learned the songs. The show was probably 45 minutes total. And uh, I rehearsed the show with full tech one time for no audience. How do you feel that that went? I know I made a mistake. What did you do wrong? I don't remember now, but I remember in the moment going, I missed this or I I screwed up this line or whatever it was. Because it's a lot. It's a lot to do. It is. And and, uh, they were like, yeah, we we don't need to do an afternoon run. And I remember going like, "I, I do. I need it. And then... And you knew probably right then that that was it? I didn't. I just thought, well, it'll be different in front of a crowd. And then I I went away for a couple weeks for a family thing and came back. And just the phone never rang. And then finally I got a hold of somebody and they were just like, yeah, it's just not a good fit. And it was kind of – I was mad for a while, but then I just went, yeah, it's probably for the best that I'm – Well, you've outlived the show. (laughs) That's right. That's true. That's true. You really But this guy did it. That's right. Now, Jeremy, you were Iago, which was a puppet, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. You were on stage holding the bird. What were you wearing as you were holding the bird? A non-I-have-to-go-to-the-bathroom-right-now-friendly leotard (laughs) that that went under a pair of great big poofy pants and curl-toed boots. I don't know what those are called. All the time I wore them. With sort of a, like genie boots, called like sultan. Yeah, that's what I would have called yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Genie, okay, genie boots. But the the pants Hershey's were, kiss boots. The the sole, of, yeah, yeah. The sole of the boot was about as thin as a cracker, <laughs> so you could feel like, well, I haven't vacuumed, you know. <laughs> you, Especially you with all these crackers, <laughs> people are wearing. Uh, well, you were playing a parrot. <laughs> I was. I had it much easier because I only had like eight lines, as opposed to Jeannie having to remember a choreography and technical. Number. I had a little bit. My, I was limited because I had. My arms were occupied operating the puppet, so I'd just do a couple of little steps, and that was it. And then uh, after a couple of directors cycled through... How many would you say there were? Boy, boy, if I had to count, I would say as many as I had leather jackets. (laughs) Uh, Join us last episode to find out the answer to that. um, I... There were a lot. There were five or six, and then we got... uh, the same director that Mark was dealing with for Jeannie, who um, cut one of 
the parrot's lines. Do you remember what the line was that they cut? I don't remember what the line was they cut. It was a scripted line. Do you remember any of your lines? Uh, I do. And I remember because I finally, they wanted, uh, Eisner wanted when it was the president of the company when uh, the show opened. And he was like, well, why isn't the bird funnier? Because he's funny <laughs> in the movie. And it was like, nobody had an answer. <laughs> what was the voice you did? Because Gilbert Gottfried's Iago was very much his voice, but very iconic. Did you? No, they, one of the things they said was, don't worry about doing the voice because that you're going to get polyps. So don't do that. <laughs> how did, so how I do it. I, uh, day to right. Day. Well, I'll tell you how, and this is a little insight because when this is not disparaging him, but when he came in for the interview, I came into the earwolf offices and I said, Oh, Gilbert Gottfried, it's so nice to meet you. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> Everything. Okay. Uh, he's very pleasant, very nice, but he's just like under the radar, super soft-spoken. And then as soon as, hi, welcome to I Was There Too. My guest today is Gilbert Gottfried. I got, 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 and he just uh -huh. lights up. It was really funny. Yeah, that's how he does it. He's, he saves it. <laughs> uh, I just did kind of what I did, Brina. I just spoke like this. I don't know why you're doing that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's you like know. a Jersey accent. Yeah, you know, a little, little Northeasterner. Did anything go horribly wrong during a performance, the live performance, I love live performance theater stories. There's a famous one that happened in that theater where the, at the very end of the show, Aladdin and Jasmine are flying over the audience in a carpet that's very apparent if you ever looked up. Yeah. But if you didn't look up, you never saw the thing. But yeah, they were at the, I mean, it's an enormous building and they got uh, the carpet flipped over <laughs> and the Aladdin They're and Jasmine were strapped in, so like oh, yeah, they're fall, harnessed in, but uh -huh. they were they just were just upside there? down, dangling above the audience <laughs> like living pinatas. And then I, you know, I wasn't there. I I just know that this happened, and I think it's probably on YouTube. There has to be. I mean, yeah, that reminds me. I saw a production of Phantom of the Opera, and it was like like mid level production. So it wasn't like one of those Michael Crawford Robert Guillaume versions, but whatever the regional theater under that is. And they did this thing where the phantom was absconding with what's her name? Christine, right? I think so. Yeah. So they did this effect where he had her in his little barge under the catagombs and they were sailing through the water. So they put mist on the floor and they had a little model while they were singing. You could hear the actor singing, but way upstage in the back, you saw a little model float by from left to right. And then midway center stage from right to left was doubles of those two actors on a smaller boat. And then the, the actual actors come by after that from left to right, again, downstage in the front singing, but the doubles wagon, their electronic wagon broke down halfway when it was halfway across stage. And the, the next one was already coming. So there was <laughs> <laughs> two phantoms and two Christines <laughs> singing, and they just had to kind of look at each other. I hope they, they waved at each other. God damn it. Uh, I bet, Matt, I I know you to be a guy who could burn a whole evening just watching old stunt shows from theme parks. Yeah, any evening. I bet you could find some real gems uh, if you if you wanted to go back and watch all some old Aladdin shows and Things gone wrong. Well, isn't there also uh, briefly they had the Indiana Jones stunt show in Disney Park, and part of the scripted show was Indiana Jones punches a woman. He punches uh, yeah, a he gets in a fight with a woman. Yeah, and then uh, beats her up and Jeez. defeats her. 
I think and that's then she how gets it went. up and is like, "It's I'm a stunt lady." Isn't that what happened? No, no, it was because that part happens of... in that show where he there's there's a there's a shill in the audience and he's wearing like a bright pink shirt. That's every stunt show, and then he gets amazing, up there right? and then Indiana like, like, "Well, let's see if you guys can take a punch." And is that the Florida? That's the Florida. That's the one. Florida one. This oh, is yeah. this is the one that was at Disneyland in California. Yeah. Oh, okay, and uh, you there is one where a a guy was wearing white socks. As Indiana Jones. And it, it, it may be the same guy. I'm not sure. Uh, runs out of... This was the smaller Aladdin show that this, this Indiana Jones show took place on. That they had closed and then put this Indiana Jones little stunt thing in. The guy runs out of the big tiger head and just smacks his head on the tooth of the tiger. And... <laughs> D- drops. I mean, he's bleeding. It's 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 a mess. That's like when Kelsey Grammer was giving that speech on the Aladdin the stage, and he just just walked straight into the orchestra pit. Yeah, to give that's him, worth YouTubing. To yeah. gi- I don't know that it's up. I feel like that has been taken down. Really? I feel like he. It's got to be one of his most embarrassing moments. Check this episode's <laughs> webpage if it exists. I'll post it there. He was giving a speech for the fiftieth anniversary of Disneyland. I believe in the Hyperion theater where Aladdin took place and having been on that stage, I think Jeremy would agree. The front is sort of it's wonky stars. It's like the edge is real jagged and you expect like a rounded apron, like a typical amphitheater and it's not, it's not at all. So if you were just walking and you, Oh, there it is. It's available. Oh, so yeah, he, he yeah. just falls Play immediately. a little audio. So this is Paul F. Tompkins who's here as well. It's a small world pretending I was a UN interpreter. I I think I'm He handles it like a pro. Yeah. I feel like he said, Oh shit. He did. He did, I think. And then that's edited out of YouTube clips, which is weird. Do you think just take that, that's, that's now urban legend? It might be. I thought he did too. I remember he... talking to two people. I know Ken Parks, who we Ken mentioned was earlier. There. So uh, another friend of ours, John Eden, was also a Green Army man there. Those are the two guys who got lectured. They said, he said, he said, oh shit, yeah, when he like, fell off the stage. Giving a but I wouldn't be surprised if whoever put that YouTube video up is some Disney regular that's like, I have to respect the overlord and I can't, you know, like I will edit it myself. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> doubt that at all. <laughs> I feel like uh, we should do a whole episode of I Was There Too where we just tell theme park stories because I will close on this one when we were doing this laughing stock comedy sketch show. I don't, I don't want to say the person's name. I don't even know that I remember the person's name, but he was a guy that would play this mayor role that was only in every oh. once in a while. And we would bring people up as volunteers, and he brings this little kid up. And one of the characters' names in the show was Clem. And he was saying something to Clem, and he goes, Hey, Clem, this kid's the only one with nuts big enough to challenge me. <laughs> and, then, and then the kid like brings out guns and something like his little fingers, and, and the guy goes, Oh, Jesus Christ, you shot me. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of the manager's friends from high I school, so, right? Yeah, that's and right. so you'd bring him in. Yeah. Well, oh, God. Jeremy Carter, Mark McConville, Paul F. Tompkins in the corner. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. You got it. <laughs> I was Let's do. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, you, for listening. You can find out more about this show on letterboxd.com. 
You can find out which films are coming up next on this podcast and also what are those introductory theme score riffs. Just go to letterboxd.com slash Matt Gorley. You can go to twitter.com and instagram.com Matt Gorley and find out more. You can follow I Was There Too on Twitter at I Was There Too. If ever you have anybody you can connect me to for this show, please email me at IWasThereToPod at gmail.com. That's really the only way to ensure that I'll see it. Twitter doesn't work. And if you do do that, please don't tag the person you want to connect me with in Twitter because what if I haven't seen the film? Or what if it isn't the perfect fit? Then I'll feel bad if they don't get responded to. Think of the children. I'll see you in two weeks, everyone. It's going to be the first ever live recording of an I Was There Too episode. It's already happened, so you can't see it. It was an exclusive thing. You'll find out more about it next time because it was at sea. But you're going to get to hear the whole thing, and it's a really fun one. My name's Mag Orley, and I'm who I am. Goodbye. Pop. Pop? Pop. Pop. Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.